You're listening to DraftKings Network. Sarah, I can't believe you just, how does this affect the Canes? Oh my God. You gotta, every time you do that, elite shredder weeps. Hello and welcome back to the Too Many Men podcast. This is episode 25. My name is Allison Lucan and I am joined with the traveling, the defiant, the smart, the beautiful Sarah Sibian. Sarah, how are you doing? Whoa, you said me before Shana. I didn't, you never know what to expect. Um, I'm great. I'm in our special guests, um, podcast partners hometown of grand rapids just scoping out the area with my boyfriend um love it here the vibes are good how are you i'm good i'm good and i'm even better because as always we have the entrepreneurial the dedicated the forever working and still caring about everyone at the same time shana goldman shana how are you say hi hi i'm good Thank you for saying nice things about me. I need to like take these notes. I have a bad day. I'm going to put post-its around my room. Let be like, Allison said this. Right. Well, speaking of people who it's easy to say good things about, we have in a very rare, rare form because only the very best get invited onto the Too Many Men podcast. <laughs> we are thrilled to welcome in this vein, one of his many talents, speaking draft knowledge, but this man probably knows more about everything than I know about any one thing. Prashant Ayer, Prashant, how are you? Welcome. I am doing great. Thank you all for having me. We are thrilled that you're here and we are going to throw you right into the Too Many Men fire. Um, We talked about this a little bit, um, but there seems to be a crisis or maybe it's just a fatigue and a stress of how women deal with online bullshit. Um, There were some incidences we, as a show, feel like the instance doesn't need any more attention because we feel like that's what the instance was going for. But the reality is very real. Um, And Sarah, you shared on social yesterday or this week that this is something you, A, unfortunately have to deal with a lot and B, have thought about a lot. And just where's your head at with women having to deal with bullshit, harassment, unnecessary over critique online? It's funny because I was talking to um, the Vegas Golden Knights rinkside host Stormy, who is the best, and she's um, she did the Panther, Charlotte Panthers, yeah, right. before uh, and the Flip Cup too. That's yeah, amazing. Important. Flipper, have to put but that in. She had DM'd me the other day and was just kind of like, "I really respect the way that you to the haters or whatever." And I was like, "Really?" Because I really respect the restraint that you have in not responding to them. And it's just kind of like it's always such a back and forth that you don't know. So when this asshole that we all we won't I didn't even know who he was before this <laughs> and I attacks who is the most professional journalist around who never makes anything more like I'm like attack me if you attack anybody but anyway so he comes um in a misogynistic rant about how misogynists don't exist I don't even know like it was a catch-22 type situation but kind of like I did love seeing all of our male counterparts stand up for her and that's something that I've that I saw that with her more than kind of I've seen it before so that's a good step but also it's like you don't want to draw attention to it but you want people to know that this is what we deal with so it's like 
there's no solution that doesn't put the onus on us to react to something. Shana, your thoughts? Yeah, it's like, it's really like a balancing act deciding when to and when not to say something. Like there are times like someone says something and it's like, I'm going to dunk on them. I got something good. Like if it comes to you, like I don't need to waste my time and energy on it. But like if it's right there or if someone pisses me off and like if you say the right thing at the right time, I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself because like I have no restraint. But um, <laughs> as, as we know, and some people be like, well, why do you waste your time doing it? And it's like, well, honest to God, like if you tell me, if you question me, that's going to piss me off more and make me want to just now say nasty things to you. Like I had it recently, someone's like, oh, this person has X amount of followers. Like, why are you responding? And I was just like, look at that. Why do you care? Like scroll. Like I know I could be saying the same thing, but like in the instance of yesterday, I appreciate men saying things because we don't see that often and not to criticize them for doing the right thing, but I'm also not going to pat them on the back because I yeah. don't see it consistently enough. Like keep up that energy and don't just do it for women. Do it when people have a problem with um, anyone who's black being in hockey or anyone who's gay being in hockey. Like you need yeah. to be consistent and do it with everything. But in this case, it seemed like this guy was getting his rocks off by everyone, you know, dunking yeah. on him because at least he's got his name known. I didn't know who he was. I didn't want to click the article. It's such a powerful thing not clicking. Like we talk about mm -hmm. it. We want people to support our work. And it's so powerful to click retweet something that seems so difficult to do all the time. It's so powerful giving them that view and that click sometimes because that's what yeah. they're looking for. If they got that, they did the right thing. You know, if everybody's now talking about them, even in a bad way, they're taking it as good press. Like, honestly... I don't want to give it to you. I think you should go fuck yourself and just sit there in the corner with nobody knowing you because you don't deserve to be known. So it's like, yeah, it, you got to like assess every situation, figure out how best to do it. But like right. the conclusion really is that most men, because not all men are bad. And we have an example of one actually very great man here. The rest fucking suck. And I don't care what anyone has to say about that. Like, just please go fuck nice. yourselves. And if you're going to be someone that whines about it, then you deserve me to tell you to go fuck yourself even more. But I also saw some comments and I, I know men, hearts are in the right place when they're speaking out against this and I encourage you to keep doing so even if you like say something a little bit wrong but I did call somebody out for this that they were like the reason you know Haley's so great is because she didn't respond to this at all I'm like that doesn't oh my god wait no. look it's, it's no. my boyfriend's dog hey pup oh. hey pup <laughs> I think some like what does that have to do with like, cause I just think, oh, so is my, am I not as right professional or whatever? And I, whatever, obviously I swear and stuff, but like, because I want to respond to these people, it's like, what does that, what does that even mean? So you think about why she's not allowed to respond to that and be able to be professional. I just think there was like, I saw that stuff and I'm like, no, it, it was her choice not to respond. And I respect that too. But like, right. it doesn't say anything about like anybody who does choose to respond. Right. And I think too, like, I think Shana makes a really good point. Like, yeah, it's great that everyone's talking about how great people were yesterday, but like, I had people even be like, great pe women in hockey, like who don't even follow me, who don't, I've never, like it was, it was becoming like the thing to do. And the way that you help remove this is by normalizing voices that don't usually get their voices heard people of color people of different sexual orientation people of different genders and as shana said that means you don't just come to their great defense on this great white knight bullshit honestly but you're sharing their work you're promoting them you're advocating for them so that their voices have space so that their voices get more attention and more respect and it becomes more understood that you just can't fuck with certain people 
She dropped because. an F-bomb. We got two curses in that. I'm just sitting here like, I love it when everyone else curses. It got you that you said bullshit and fuck. I love it. <laughs> Prashanth, we, we do love you. And you are unfortunately the man here for this. But, but <laughs> in all seriousness, like as a man, when you see something like this happen, and unfortunately, I know you've seen too many instances of this to count on many people whose voices don't have as much strength as they should. What is your perception and what do you, what's your read on how to respond to these and maybe it's different depending on the situation too yeah i mean i'll say first of all it's not really my place to tell anyone how they should respond because this doesn't happen to me right and so you know i think from my perspective the first and most important thing that you can do as a man is just step one listen listen when people are pointing this out listen when people call it out listen when people you know show you what they have to experience on a day in and day out basis i think you know, going back to Sarah's point of, you know, do you call attention to it? Do you not? I mean, that's a no-win situation. You call attention to it and you get people, you know, lambasting you for calling attention to it and you don't call attention to it. And then you get men who say this stuff doesn't exist. Right. And so it's a no-win situation, you know, from that standpoint in terms of what you should really even do. So I think step one is stop talking as a man, sit back, listen, right listen to the experiences that are going on, you know, listen to the experiences that are being documented. I mean, what is being shared on Twitter is like 5% of what's happening. And I don't think a lot of people really appreciate that. All the hate that goes through, you know, DMs, all the hate that goes through just outside of that, the off the cuff remarks that are just like, hey, wait, that sounded really weird. And, you know, that actually was not that great, but I didn't recognize it right in the moment. And so I think the most important thing to really do is, is sit back and listen, and then the second thing, Allison, is like you said, don't let it be performative. I mean, you're not following me. You've never said a single thing to me, but you're joining on this bandwagon of, yeah, let's all say bad things about this person because then it makes me look good. But really, you haven't done any of the action necessary to promote the work of others, to build their build the platform, support their voice, you know, support the energy, the time that they invest in this, and normalize women being in hockey because it's a great thing. You three are all special people, and I love each and every one of your works. I've read it for years, and it's wonderful. And, and not having that normalized just seems like a terrible thing. And so I think it's step one, listen. Step two, act, but go beyond just performative action. And then step three is sustain it. And if you can do that with that kind of energy, then I think you're really going to build a better and more inclusive community for everybody. What I think, and I'm, I don't mean to call my wonderful co-host out on this again but like the, the shana you joke that we're cursing like honestly i'm not even angry i'm just tired no like, that's that's exact i read it like yeah I, looking at sarah like sarah yesterday too like i could just feel like all three of us we were just like and yeah. someone even pointed out like oh will this go person go on your shit list like it's not like every person like we're sitting there like grading what they do and there's some people that like they're literally not worth it and it's not like we're sitting here like oh god we're so angry it's exhausting to constantly have to watch yeah. what you say. I fucked up on my salary cap chart the other day. I use the same chart and update it constantly. I have like 60 oh, no. versions of it on one spreadsheet. <laughs> I didn't take off Mark Stahl. And you know what the best part about it is? I tweeted that out on free agency day and no one noticed. So no one even told me. So it went up wrong twice. But within minutes, I had a million comments like, do you know Mark yeah. Stahl still in there? Like, I'm fucking sorry. I one am mistake. sorry. It's me. You need to expect to have 10 fucking typos or don't fucking follow me at this point. Like, it's amazing. The corrections that this, it's not like I sit there pissed off. 
I am just so bored of it because if I sat there critiquing you, you probably are the kind of guy that goes like, you're cute with like the Y-O-U-R instead of the apostrophe oh, R. So it's like, I'm sorry. Like you're probably dumb as a rock anyway. Go fuck off. Ugh, I just don't have like the patience for it anymore. Like I get it. Sarah, as far as I, as if I recall, I believe you taught us that one error is equivalent to losing your job. Is that correct? One typo is equivalent to formal like, reprimand, right? Right? I got the rules right. <laughs> like when I make a mistake and I, let's be honest, like, and I don't want to say like the victim because I hate making mistakes. And it, it's, it's one thing to call me out for making a mistake and saying, Hey, like, and usually people are really good at that or whatever. Like, Hey, this is a typo. Like, it's two A's in Jordan's doll, not in two L's. And like, you think I don't know that? Like, of course I, and it's fine to call me out on that. But when you're like, wow, how is this person employed? I'm like, you're not saying that to Scott Burnside when he makes typos. Like you're saying that to me and you're nothing, nothing against Scott Burnside, but it's just kind of like, you don't even know if that typo was my editor or me or whatever. And then it's kind of just like, that is, I don't know. I'm tired of that too. And, and people not understanding that it, that is kind of internalized misogyny. And I think someone, it's interesting because someone like Dom gets stuff like that because he's in stats. And I feel like it's anybody that kind of. If you're a nerd. Yeah. Computer boy. It's like anything that isn't the normal exact thing. It's like, wow, this person's a joke. Or, God, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Anything else we need to, anything else we need to say on this one, my friends? We're all just tired. We're all just yeah. tired. I'm tired for you. <laughs> I mean, Prashant, do you feel like you said this before? It's like you said that this is just five percent of what's actually happening. Like, do you think more should be shared so people understand, or do you think like where do you, where do you think that we are on the education spectrum? If that makes sense, I think it's sort of tough because I I think if you just look at men who give this kind of pushback, I don't think it's consistent to say that the reason why all of them give that pushback is simply because they don't believe it exists. I think that's a significant portion and you'll correct that. But there's number one, simply men who just don't think women belong in hockey and that's not gonna be fixed. And then there's the second group which think that for whatever reason, women to get into hockey have to be held to this higher standard or higher bar. And that's not gonna get fixed by sharing this either. And so I think share what you can and that certainly corrects that faction of you know, men that just don't believe this really exists and this kind of hate and, you know, just terrible misogyny doesn't exist. It definitely does. And, and again, what's shared is 5%, but I, I think, you know, it won't completely fix the problem. And the plot, the problem really is just internalized a lot to hockey. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, speaking of, of unique segments of sport, we brought Prashant on because things happened in hockey. We're very excited. Finally. Finally. Um, and one of those was the draft. And Prashant, you have somehow become a little bit of a, it, it, would it be fair to say you specialize or you're very passionate about the draft or prospects in general? Or is it I, just because you follow the Red Wings? <laughs> I mean, I sort of have to be at this point. Right? You know, I follow the Red Wings. And, and so my Christmas was the draft because really, you know, when Max and I started the podcast back last October, it was all built up to the draft. We knew this team was going to be terrible. So it was kind of a, more than a year of spending time just analyzing, looking at different prospects and, and just getting more familiar with it because that was the news. I mean, the team has been eliminated for basically since November. 
Yeah, yeah it was pretty brutal. Stevie Y kind of crushed it in free agency too, mm-hmm. though. He did. It made me feel better about it. I didn't have to drink as much that day. <laughs> so what, what about Stevie Y do you look at so far and you go, he's doing this right versus what was going on for years past with Ken Holland? Like, was there something that jumps out from the draft or free agency that you went like, okay, we're on the right track? Yeah, I think uh, starting in free agency, the biggest difference is just his willingness to try these short-term, low-average, you know, uh, value contracts. I think the Ken Holland staple was, I have money, let me go out and spend as much of it as I can. Um, You know, hence giving Mike Smith a contract, again, when no one was competing against him, uh, to to give Mike Smith a contract. So that's just, you know, been the staple of of Ken Holland, really, for the last decade, And, and I think seeing Eiserman go out, none of the deals he gave were more than two years. They're all short, you know, very low dollars, easily tradable, very flexible. It's just, that's the kind of, uh, you know, difference that we haven't seen. I mean, he goes and buys out Justin Abdelkader. That's not something that really anyone thought was possible with the number of years he had left. And so I think he's really doing a lot in the way of creating this cap flexibility, which I think is arguably one of the most important things a GM can do in order to be sustainably successful. Sarah, yeah. as, as, a, as a current short-term resident of Michigan, you are now also <laughs> a follower of and the Detroit Red Wings. What are your thoughts? What questions might you have for Prashant? Well, Red Wings, yes, but also the Canes. You're like, are you a Canes fan? Can you explain like your relationship to the Canes? Yeah, so... I grew up in Michigan. I lived in Michigan until about 2005. And then I moved down to Charlotte. And I lived in Charlotte for a couple of years when I was finishing up high school. And then I've actually been at UNC in Chapel Hill the last 12 years. And so by being here, I would go to all of the Hurricanes hockey games. So I have been to games for the last, I mean, I was at the Eastern Conference Finals in 2009 when the Canes were- That's awesome. Oh my God. You know, like I've been- watching the games for a really long time i can't ever really say like i'm a full-out fan but i mean i've been a season ticket holder i go to all as many of the games as i can my wife's a big fan um you know so i definitely pay a lot of attention to the hurricanes especially because they're they're right here for me um but you know growing up in detroit i can't ever really like toss that allegiance aside so maybe like dual citizenship (laughs) fandom to a certain you got your canes visa you're the meme that's walking with the Red Wings looking over your shoulder at the Canes. That's exactly yeah. it, especially for the last two years with how good, you know, the Canes have been. I mean, and how shrewd they've been and how smart they've been. It's been really hard to just say, wow, yeah, I don't want to be a fan of that. Sarah, I can't believe you just, how does this affect the Canes? Oh, my God. <laughs> you gotta, every time you do that, a Leafs writer weeps. <laughs> um, what do you think about... Like, everybody always says the Canes are good at dra- – like, the past two drafts, it's like the Canes are so good or whatever. And I'm like, I don't – I'm going to not pretend like I know what that means. Like, you just pick the good player. Like, what makes this stand out? I'm just like, yeah, they're so good. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think if you look at their last two drafts, what Carolina has done a really good job of is basically recognizing – or so step one is kind of identifying the player that's going to be good. And then step two is figuring out what's the expected range for that player to go. And a lot of teams, you know, you look at a team like Columbus, sorry, Allison, who goes and picks Igor Chinnikov in the first round, the guy was a sixth or seventh round talent. You know, you'll have some people say, take the guy when you have the pick. And Columbus didn't have a lot of picks. But what Carolina's done a really great job of is 
let me trade back into the range where I think that player is going to go, grab that player there, and also pick up additional assets. This was a strategy they did really well in the 2019 draft where they were basically picking up picks and then dealing picks in order to move up uh, and get guys as they needed to. So I think it's, it's basically the, they're playing the draft to a perfection in that sense where moving up and down as they need to to get the guys they've identified as great. And then they're taking advantage of leagues that have historically been undermined. You know, we call kind of Carolina or Raleigh basically as part of Finland. And it really is to a certain extent with how much they've mined the Finnish junior leagues. And they yeah. continue to do a really good job with that. And that's just a league that, you know, for the better part of five years was undervalued. Um, so I really think Carolina just does a really nice job. I mean, you look at all of their picks this year and they're all swings for just high skill guys. I mean, Noel Gunner, yeah. the first round talent. Seth Jarvis was a guy some people thought was a 10, uh, you know, in a top 10 pick. You know, Ponomarayov was another guy who was projected even in the first round in some mocks. And so they really are just swinging on skill and, and moving to the right spot to get those guys. And it's just, it's great draft strategy and it's far ahead of, you know, a lot of other teams right now. Okay, Rashawn, oh, there you go. Rashawn's, because to this, like, we always joke, well, people in hockey, you know, goalies are voodoo, but honestly, to me, prospects are voodoo, right? Because it's so hard to know there's different leagues. The closest we've come publicly that I'm smart enough to comprehend, which isn't too much, is NHLE, which is trying to convert points league to league. I loved how you just explained what the Canes do. What are some, like, if you're, if someone's a baby at understanding how to evaluate prospects and draft eligible talent, what's your advice? What should people be thinking about? What should people be doing? Yeah, so the dirty secret is there's very little data available publicly, right? And so a lot of, you know, you'll hear at the NHL level, well, points are bad, points are bad. Well, at the prospect level, points are good, points are good, because that's all you have. And so right. if you look at any, even any of these more like complex public models that have come out recently, you know, whether it's Dev with Hayden Speak, who's now with the Kings, or, you know, it's the, the model that, you know, Josh Weisbach built before they went to, to Florida. It's a lot of it's based on points, height, weight, and age. And so there's not a whole lot that goes in there. But the problem is because no one else is thinking like that, those models do better than just straight up picking. And the funny part is kind of at the NHL level, you can feel reasonably confident that the teams are probably good at identifying the best 40, if not 50 players, but really 50 on, you can look at all 31 teams draft boards and they're vastly different. And that's because if you think about the size of the scouting department, the fact that there's like 17,000 prospects available, you know, each draft, there's, you know, hundreds of leagues to draft out of, you're not seeing everybody visually. And so that's where I think the, the value of simply looking at points, looking at their age, were they a young age in their league? Were they, you know, older in that league? And maybe they're, you know, a little bit further ahead in their development. Um, you know, you look at, things like that. And that sort of gets you a little bit more of a step ahead as opposed to just watching some film on a guy that, you know, you didn't really scout in depth. So the dirty secret is honestly, look at their scoring totals, look at their age, look at how they performed in their league. The other thing is look at their draft minus one stats, particularly for the guys at the top of the draft. You usually know about who's at the top of the draft two to three years before the draft happens. And so paying attention to those stats, like, you know, already for 2022, people can probably rattle off five guys who are going to go in the top 10. 
uh, right now because they're, you know, Shane Knight's kind of the guy that everyone is going to be going after, you know, Brad Lambert's another guy out in Finland. And that's because they far exceeded or far or well ahead of where someone should be at their age. And so those guys often get, you know, pigeonholed early. So really the biggest thing we can say is pay attention to how well a, a prospect scored and, and, you know, kind of their draft minus one year and then their draft year, look at their age relative to their peers and, you know, just pay particular attention to if they're flying under the radar, if they're towards the top of the draft. What else guys? Well, it's also like, remember that one year where, not remember when, like last year, well, that one year, last year where all of the players that were drafted were literally on Jack Hughes's team. Like, and that was a, that was a big issue, right? Like, how do you factor in the fact that like, they're all helping each other out, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. And you're going to see the same problem in the 2022 draft because the U17 U.S. national team right now is, I mean, I think they just played three teams and they beat them by 31 to six. So that team is going to have the same problem, you know, next year when you go to evaluate them, including there's a Jack Hughes on that team as well. But um, it's tough because that U.S. national team was arguably the best U.S. national team in some time. And as a result, there were 50 some players from the United States drafted in 2019, which is way more than any other year. And I think that's where teams have to be a little bit careful. You can dig into some of the deeper stats. You know, if you really look into the game logs of these players, you can see, you know, who scored at even strength, who assisted on a lot of stats, you know, so if Jack Hughes was, you know, assisting on all of your goals, then maybe you might not get the same goals at the NHL level or, Similarly, if you assisted on all of, you know, Bobby Brink's goals in the USHL, then maybe you're not going to score at the same level, um, you know, at at the NHL. So I think there is a little bit more teasing out that you can do with some of these incredibly talented guys. Um, You know, one guy that jumps out from this year's draft is Martin Kromiak, who is a guy that scored really well. He was like 18th in OHL points per game. And a lot of people thought he would go in the first or second round or in the second round. But he was playing on a line with Shane Knight, the guy who's going to go first overall in 2022, and Zade Wisdom, another top prospect. And so he's a guy who's really not that good, oh. but benefited from all of that there. So there is some other nuance that you can really get into when you start to tease apart who these guys played with and, and uh, you know, go, go a little bit further there. Do you think that teams – undervalue overvalue draft picks when they're making trades because like we see it like the Devin Taves trade the other day and that was two second round picks do you look at it and go well the Islanders clearly undervalue second round picks or do you look at it, it's like well it's even worse because maybe their team that's not great at drafting so it's even less valuable to them or do you think teams just like use them and disregard them just to like move cap and it's not a big deal yeah so I think teams overvalue uh, draft picks, particularly draft picks after the first round. Um, so I'll give you a great example. You know, the Mark Stahl deal, right? The Wings basically paid $5.7 million for a second round pick. And, you know, if you look at the likelihood of a second round pick making the NHL, it's quite low. And then even if they make the NHL, you look at the amount of value they're likely to give you, um, and it's also quite low. And, you know, really, once you get beyond the late first round, it's a lot like throwing a dart at the dartboard, and you just have you know, very little idea or very little certainty who's going to get where. And so, yes, it's nice to increase the amount of darts at the dartboard, but I think teams overvalue them in the sense that they're willing to pay well above what they should pay. Like 
Devin Taves is a really freaking good player. Like he was. I was probably, trying to the liability actually this year. Was I was informed when I talked about the trade. Very big liability this year. <laughs> you know, he drives like defensively, but yeah, okay. maybe just like die under second best defenseman is a liability. But, no, you big know, that, no big deal. But you know, for the Islanders, right? You, you know, I don't know if they're the ones who initiated that call or Colorado, but. You know, you dealt a really freaking good player away that you're not going to get with two second round picks, and so and you're not going to replace him with Andy Green. <laughs> no, no, not with 37 year old Andy Green, who, by the way, is from Michigan. So maybe Detroit. <laughs> but that, I think that's the name of the game. You just way overvalue any of these picks outside the first round. Really, the only picks that matter are top 15 picks, and again, teams aren't really dra- trading those. And so, unless you're going to add a whole bunch of lottery picks. Um, in the sense of, you know, being able to throw four darts at the board, like Montreal's trying to do, they have 14 picks next year. Um, you know, if you try and do stuff like that, then, then sure. But more often than not, teams way overpay to get draft picks. Okay, wait, I got Nate Schmidt, I understand that there's, sorry, I understand that there's cap issues all around, especially with Vegas, but Nate Schmidt for a third is like an insult. I mean, it's an insult to Nate Schmidt, but, you know, thankfully, Vegas's GM was very nice to say that they don't have to play Nate Schmidt this year, so, because that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, would you rather have Mark Stahl, his cap hit, in a second-round pick, or have Jack Johnson? Just wondering. Asking for a friend. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah I don't think I want Jack Johnson. <laughs> Although he's from Michigan, so maybe I do. So. Oh, <laughs> this is becoming too much of an easy caveat for you, I don't think, but Michigan. Which is just not. I don't blame him after being here for a while. I'm going to go visit Max in Detroit on the way home. I can't wait. Oh, Michigan is nice. Actually, Upper I'm missing Traverse City for the Prospect Tournament. Like, oh, it's so nice. It's so beautiful up there. Prashanth, best draft team, worst draft team this season? Your picks. Uh, best draft for me is Carolina. I think they got the most value out of, you know, all of their picks. I think, I think Jarvis is an absolute steal. You know, on my personal board that I made, I had him 10th. Um, so to be able to get him at 13, I think is great. Noel Gundler, I had 14th. And so to get him at 45, again, is just kind of crazy value. So uh, I was really impressed with uh, Carolina's draft overall. I think all the way to the end, I mean, they were getting guys like Alex Passion, who was a guy a lot of people had as maybe a fourth or fifth round talent, getting him 199th is just insane. So I think they got they extracted the most value from all of their picks, and simultaneously, I think Columbus maybe had the worst draft. <laughs> what do you think about Ottawa too? Because it's Ottawa, a lot of picks and didn't do much with them. Right. So they extracted, I think, the least value from the most amount of picks, but I think the total sum of their value is going to exceed what Columbus got. Columbus didn't have a lot of picks and didn't make any good picks. So I'm sort of, <laughs> I'm sort of stuck there. I don't know what they were looking at. I mean, maybe they've got something different than I looked at. Maybe they've got some extra model. All I really think that they looked at was the fact that Chinnikov got off to a, a hot start in the KHL this year, and they were like, sign me up. Let me go ahead and draft that at, at 21. But, yeah, they're, they're kind of my big losers from the draft. <laughs> so, Prashant, you said you got into this stuff because of Detroit Bless. Are you now passionate about it? Are you going to stick and be a prospect person? Or do you want to not be thinking about this stuff in three years from now, four years from now? I, I think I'm going to stick with it because, you know, there's very little 
like solid work that happens right now. And I yeah. think a lot of that is because everyone who's done it has already been signed by an NHL team, right? I mean, Namita is in Seattle. I mean, you looked at, uh, you know, everybody who got hired in Florida, you looked at Hayden out in Los Angeles. I mean, you know, Zach's in Columbus, like everyone who's touched prospects is hired by an NHL team. And as a result, there's a big void. And so I might as well just do random miscellaneous things and, and just tweet them out as I feel and, and enjoy that. So I, I think I'll continue to do it, especially like while there's this huge void here. I'm selfishly, I'm here for it because when I needed help with the draft stuff recently, you were a fucking lifesaver for me. Cause I'm sitting there like, I feel like I, it was a first overall pick thing. And I'm like, I should be able to do this. And like, I know it, but I'm, I question myself more with prospects than anything else because like I am, I'm no expert and I had it easy, obviously the last two years being like, okay, study these players. Cause when I, I like, I know I said it before, like I had to study the year before and I studied everyone that wasn't craps off. Cause I didn't think, sorry, Colin was like banging at my door. Um, I didn't think he'd get drafted, but like, even still, I'm like, uh, there's, I wish there was more stuff on it. And like you had the goals above replacement chart, which was so handy. So I selfishly am very glad that you are here doing everything and that you are so good to explain everything because that's the biggest thing. Like there's smart people and smart communicators and it's so handy when someone's both. Yes. Well, you know, you've got Allison here and I've tried to learn from her as uh, being a well, smart Yeah. So. Every story she does, I'm like, I'll just copy it and apply it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, let me think about how do I explain it the way, like how would Allison explain it? There's a lot of what goes through my head. So. Stop, 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 stop. We'll have one more, we have one more question and then we'll do our one fuck, Mary kill because we have to orient Prashanth, bring him into the, the true too many men fold. Prashanth, what's the biggest mistake mm. people make when they're evaluating prospects or draftable talent, do you think? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think right now, honestly, one of the biggest mistakes I still see being made is, is just the, the dismissing players of size. I think that's still a common refrain. I mean, you look at Marco Rossi, the guy scored really at a level that hasn't been seen since Connor McDavid in the OHL and he slips to ninth and that's because he's five foot nine despite the fact that he outweighs me he's like 190 pounds he's like Thick boy. literally five foot nine muscle um so it's just it's crazy it's crazy yeah I mean you if you see a picture I'm not promoting people going to look at an 18 year old's thighs they look like Martin St. Louis all right so I'm just going to say that he looks like Martin St. Louis. So, you know, you just have to look at a little bit about how the prospect is built, not necessarily just dismissing on size. I think that's a big issue. I think still uh, NHL teams struggle to evaluate defensemen at lower levels. Um, I they think struggle you struggle to, to evaluate them at all the levels. Because really, at really all levels, but primarily, you know, at the lower levels, I just think there's very little for them to go on. And that's why you see, such a heterogeneity and outcomes for players across the rounds that are drafted on like forwards. I've made a handful of trips. I don't know if I've ever tweeted them out, but like the value you get from forwards drafted early on is very clear. The value you get from defensemen drafted early on is often unclear. Like people forget that, you know, guys like Eric Johnson were first overall picks and while he's a solid defenseman, he's not a first overall pick defenseman. Uh, and, you know, so it's, it's stuff like that that I think still, presents like a huge challenge um and despite all of the challenges there's always a defenseman that goes in the top five yep. no matter what uh this year was without fail with jake sanderson going at five and he's a guy that again a lot of people were really divided on so i think those are probably the two biggest things uh, missing right now 
Awesome. I do well, we, I do know that the average height of people that came drafted is like five two. Draft so. At least they know it's up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We will end with one fuck Mary kill that oh, is appropriately yes. draft centric. Sarah, we'll have you go first. Are you ready? Fuck Mary kill. It's almost unfair since Prashanth picked Carolina as his top drafting team of the, of the year. Fuck Mary kill. The NHL draft rounds one through three. The NHL draft rounds four through seven or free agency. Go. That's tough. Um, I'm gonna marry free agency because I actually know what I'm talking about and it's um, it's more consequential you don't have to pretend that these people are gonna make it big one day and say the same exact sounding report for every single one um, I'm going to fuck rounds four through seven because that you never know like I love when really successful people end up like like I just love when they make it during those rounds like you just never know and then I'm gonna kill rounds one through three because I don't everybody thinks they know who all these pick guys are I like when it's four through seven when everyone's like all right we don't even know this person can't even go here <laughs> Shana your answers um i'm going to also marry free agency like one it's nice knowing what i'm talking about two i especially like this year i like that there was no talking to period before it so it wasn't like 11 a.m you know everything that happened there's actually like some mystery to it and um it's a day where you can just sit back and talk shit about what every team does including like the one that you cover that literally like someone complained that like oh you're just posting charts you can watch game like no my job is to be paid and talk shit about what this team does so jack johnson was signed i'm gonna sit here and talk shit about it and I just did my job for the day. So I'm here for that. Um, I will fuck rounds one through three because I do like to see if trades happen. And I feel like we all like expect more trades to happen. And I like the ones that come before the draft because I think that you can have big ones like the Matt Murray trade this year, like sod for Panera and things like that. Like I'm very curious to see what happens with that. It's less about the picks. It's more about what happens around it. And then four through seven, I feel like one, it drags on forever. And two, when I, I see people going, like, oh about. my God, like, and it's a seventh round pick and you're just like, Jesus Christ, you're just, what's the chances? It's amazing when it happens. Like Sarah mentioned, like if you have someone, you know, everyone's joking, the Rangers drafted a goalie who started, his name starts with an H in the seventh round and you that's where it. Hank went. And it's like, oh my God, it's like, what are you going to put the expectations on him? Like it, it was like a once in a million thing. Just be happy it happened. Don't expect it to repeat. Prashant, bring us home, my friend. All right, so for me, I have to actually marry rounds four through seven because like you can, this is where uh, having done all the prospect work, I'm basically <laughs> like, the Leo Din, like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme of him just sitting on the couch pointing every time one of those guys is taken. I'm like, I know that guy, I know that guy. That's, that's me, so that makes me happy and I'm really excited about that. I think I have to fuck rounds one through three because you know, like Shana said, there's always someone who just does something stupid, cough Ottawa. Um, that makes me really excited, but, uh, you know, I, that's just always a fun thing to watch and sorry, I have to kill free agency because I literally know nothing about the CBA. I mess it up every year. Every time I tweet something about the CBA, I'm generally wrong. Uh, so I would like that to go away. Prashant, tell us where our wonderful listeners can find you, your work and what you're up to. Uh, well, you guys can find me on Twitter at Iyer underscore Prashant. I think nowadays it's primarily where all of my work lives as I'm far too lazy to write at this point. But 
If you like to listen to me ramble, I also have a podcast with uh, Max Boltman uh, called Wings for Breakfast on The Athletic. So, you know, y'all can check it out whenever we uh, get around to recording. Awesome. And Prashant is one of our favorites, online, offline, smart, friendly, wonderful yeah. human. We love him. So support him and check out his, his prospect and draft stuff is unparalleled. So it's really- and his charts are so goddamn pretty. So pretty. So pretty. Prashant, thank you so much for joining us. It was our pleasure to have you. As a reminder, you can find us on Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. You can look at our website, too many men You can check out our merch at Teespring. And as always, we just love you guys so much. Please be sure to check out our live podcast as part of the CMU Stats Sports Conference next Sunday at 2 p.m. Um, we are honored and thrilled to be interviewing the very talented Alexandra Mandrecki from the Seattle Kraken. Um, so if you have questions for her, let us know. We will try and be respectable. We will try and keep Shana from cussing. An almost insurmountable task. I don't know how I'm going to get through. Send prayers of whatever kind you believe You're in. You're to keep me respectable. I think I need a shot collar. It's going to be bad. Maybe, maybe I'll have to have Prashant help me as well. We'll never know. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you next week. I love you. Thanks for coming.